0: You're listening to Fox on the Wire! Hello and welcome everybody. You are listening to an episode of Fox on the Wire. Mick Thomas has some secret magic to his writing. He surely can write great songs that make you say, Why didn't I think of that? But of course, we never do. He writes about mates, ratbags, races, places, weddings, parties, funny stuff, anything. But they are all really great stories and great songs. I feel very honored and very grateful to have been able to sit down with Mick for about an hour and a half and have a chat about many things, um, about some things that have been going on lately and of course about what Mick has been up to. So sit back, have a beer, have a cup of tea, Hope you enjoy our chat and thanks for listening. Cheers. Welcome, Mick. Good to be here, Craig. And uh, we're actually sitting in the band room of uh, your venue, the Merry Creek Tavern. Mm, It's kind of sad at the moment. It is. Been uh, closed up for the last yeah. few months. Pub with no beer.
1: Yeah, all the shelves are empty of whiskey and such. No, no, it's terrible. Yeah, it does. A uh, you know, it sounds sort of fatuous to say it, but um, yeah, Stan Costa wrote the song, I think, but Slim Dusty sang it, and it really is nothing so you know, lonesome, morbid, or dreary than to stand in the bar of a pub with no beer. I agree. It really does uh, it does rip your guts out, but. That's what we're going to deal with, so, you know.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you for bringing a couple of cans of beer down (laughs) so at least we can kind of pretend and all that. So, uh, we had you um, on the show back in October of 2019, which doesn't seem that long ago. That was.
1: It doesn't sound that long ago, but it seems like a long time ago. Yeah. Because it's been such a catastrophic few months. It really does. I mean,. Purely intellectually, you know, from the idea of just being an artist, it, it really is amazing how your perceptions of time are really stuffed around by, you know, what's going on in not just in your life because everyone has a life. Everyone, you know, is you know meeting their new partner or breaking up with their old partner or you know trying to do the right thing with their family, blah blah blah. But for something that's sort of mammoth and catastrophic to happen in the world does take up so much of your time and all mm. of a sudden your your senses are so much you know more in tune with what's going on and with the world and um i've just noticed it so much that it, things feel that were like a month ago or two months ago feel like they were years ago you mm. know so it, and it really like i say a purely creative intellectual level it's it's kind of quite confounding and um You know, it's fascinating.
0: Yeah, I think we've all had to sort of figure it out as we go along because we all, you know, it affected our lives in different ways. Um, It
1: still is. It's going to keep going. Yeah, so it's no, I mean, I, you know, despise the kind of jargon of uh, our Prime Minister, but, you know, the new normal, you know, but it's things, you know, it's just a a ad man's way of saying things probably aren't going to be the same. You know? <laughs> uh, in a
0: lot of ways mentally, you know, the way we yeah, maybe carry on.
1: Totally. Look, you you watch watch the television show now or film and just you see the way people relate to each other and, and you just keep going getting this don't don't grab them, don't grab them, don't shake their hand, you know, like as really quickly we've adapted to this whole uh, idea of distancing. Social distancing. Social distancing. And it like it's not to say this everyone's doing it exactly the same, mm. but already it's become a thing in our head. It's a little warning sign, a little bell that's going off. And um, yeah, it's I think, you know, something's changed, you know, something's shifted, you know. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's taken me a while to get used to a few things, but especially like the no handshake thing, you know, like Totally, me too. Last time I saw you, uh, you know, came down to the venue here and mm. first
1: thing you do mm. is a handshake and Yeah. You know, you know, I've tonight never we didn't do that. I've never been a hugger, you know, like yeah. people and that, it sort of came in after my my generation, I'm sixty years old. We didn't hug. You know, like when we first became you know young adults, we didn't hug you know like but you, you hug someone you really liked, but you you know it, it was a it was an extreme form of affection, mm. and during my a- adult life, that's become a much more widely accepted form of you know social greeting, so it doesn't worry me to not hug people by yeah. large <laughs> you know yeah. but the handshaking thing, oh my God, I'm so uh, so tuned into it. You know, like I met, yeah. this, I met this guy out the front here last week. He, um, And I, without thinking, I shook his hand and we chatted for a while. And then we left. He said, Well, I don't fucking care. And he said, He shook my hand again. I went, Oh, Jesus. And I came inside <laughs> and sanitized my hand. You know? I was going like, to say, and it's, like, it's, like, <laughs> fucking, it's so weird. I thought, you know, chances of me getting anything off that dude. Uh, Reasonably small, but uh, you know, it's still a weird. It's just a weird time, and yep. you know, it'll some of it'll settle down, some of it
0: won't. Yeah. yeah, I think the distancing thing, in a way, will stick around. It's just made more people aware mm. in general. So I don't know how people are going to go back to crowded trains and
1: you know that's that a, sort that's of. That's a big one because it surfaces more than anything. Yeah, that, that, that sort of. um that carry it, apparently, you know. You keep hearing all this stuff and yeah, tonight, you know, believe me or not, before I came down, the thing I spent an hour doing was trying to set up a, a, a screen that would go in the front of a microphone. Mm. It's because I just think about a place like this. I think, well... I know personally as a singer, I spit a lot when yeah. I sing, I, I, and you know, and as they're saying, well, th- that can travel up to three or four meters. So I can basically be hitting <laughs> the back of the room from here in, the, in a room this um. size. And it's you know, it's only fifteen meters long, yeah. and it's like I, I can hit the back of the room like easy. And so I was just trying to trying to think. Of, I mean, I think what we'll, I honestly think what we'll do in this tiny little room. Is we'll probably have to put some sort of a plastic screen up there, so that people's you know, because I mean, I think um, if someone got on stage in a in a venue this size and they they had the virus, the virus, um, you could just you could just get the whole room. You could just go sixty sixty people bang, you know. So so. You know, at what stage are we going to be able to put sixty people in this tiny little room again?
0: Mm. Oh, okay. Well, uh, as a venue owner, like have you have there been any government guidelines? You know, whether it be um, sanitising the mics after every band or putting no, up a screen between the crowd and the no nothing n-
1: yet none of that. Um, no, nah, they've you know at a, at a state at a federal level they're being lobbied pretty hard by some. People who are pretty good at, you know, being squeaky wheels. Uh, and yeah, look, uh, I, I mean, I, I'll i be honest with you, I mean, I'm, and I'm not a defeatist and I'm not a uh, pessimistic person, but I don't know. I just don't see how we can do it. You know, I just mm. don't see what's going to happen unless, you know, I go home tonight and I find out that, you know, someone's found a vaccine or something or, yeah. or I mean my tip is in terms of medical stuff, the more I read is that i don 't think they 'll necessarily find a vaccine I think they 'll find something that mitigates the effect of it so that it doesn 't kill you so that you can you know because if, if let 's put it this way, if the whole population just went back to normal, made sure the hands were clean, just a bit of social distancing and all that. A lot of us would catch it, right? There's no, there's no two ways about it. Um, but if we knew it wasn't going to kill us, well, that would be okay. Then it, then it sort of becomes like the flu, like, like the, um, the naysayers were going on with early on who shut up pretty hard when they started seeing that thousand people a day are dying of it, you know, mm. countries X, Y and Z. So that's, that's my tip. If they just get something to say, well, you're going to get it, but you're not going to. It's not going to kill you, you know. And then, then all of a sudden, you know, you can. But I mean, this pub, you know, figures on it. It's pretty. It's pretty knife edge. The figures that you need to make a pub like this work. It's. Mm. It's. And probably for most hospitality venues, really, you're on on this kind of knife edge about you know x amount of people, you know, for x amount of time to drink x amount of beer um so you know when we can get 60 people in this room again you know how are we going to get the confidence to you know especially saying observing what i just said that like when you're watching a whole film or or an old whatever, television show, and you see people really crammed in. You get Like every time they show something, APRA or one of the creative vehicles and they put up this thing about live music, they always show these crowded rooms and you, and you, <laughs> and you see it and you go, ah! You know, like, <laughs> I wouldn't go there yeah. because I tell you, I wouldn't go there. Yeah. Um, you know, we've, we're doing the, um, the Memo Music Hall Sunday Week and there's going to be no people there, right? There should be a skeleton crew. And I kind of contacted the the venue people and said, can we just get 20 in, you know? And they just said, no, nah. we're just not allowed to. I said, no, that's fair enough. I thought I'd just ask the question. But, oh, you know, even like the last time we did the memo, well, we didn't, we didn't jam the place, but we still had 300 people in there. Well, w- would I go to that now? You probably wouldn't, you know? Yeah. If someone said to you, hey, Merrick Creek Tavern's open tomorrow they got a special exemption because Scotty's Christian Band are playing here. And, um, you know, sold, there's 60 tickets going. There's a spare one for you. Do you want it? Would you Would you come? No. I mean, not to see Scotty's Christian Band, but even if it was, you know, I don't know, fucking Royal Headache were reforming or something, yeah, you wouldn't come. I wouldn't come. Do you think people
0: are just dying to get out to see some music and would take the chance anyway? Well, not everyone. It's but-
1: funny. It, look. I sort of noticed this thing, or I have noticed this thing during the whole crisis, that newsreaders and stuff and all these sort of Today Tonight shows, they sort of talk about live music like it's this, oh, wouldn't you love to do that? It's like it's a thing that... And I just go, oh, I never saw you at the... Yeah, exactly. I never saw you at the, uh, you know, North Social Club. Yeah. That sort of became one of those little catch cries that they talk about. I go and see a band and live music. And you go, well, and those sort of people, by and large, you go, well, live music to you is, you know, a day on the green. Yeah. Once a year sort of thing. Yeah. Um, But it's big. I think people are missing it. I mean, I know I'm missing it like it's fucking killing me, you know. Like I heard a band in the park last week, sort of band that would be playing probably normally at the open studio, maybe here on a weird night, just, you know, Lots of violins and accordions and gypsy sort of music. And I went over to him, and my wife said, What'd you do? I said, I gave 20 bucks. She said, 20 bucks? I said, I haven't fucking heard a live band mm. in so long. <laughs> I just wanted to. Sounds hear, so good. I, wanted, I said, It's amazing. <laughs> and all I can, I said, All I see on the internet is people just, you know staring into an iPad, just playing their guts Mm. out and trying really hard, and I appreciate it, and I'm sure there's there's going to be some stuff that gets remembered like that, but I just really want to see a band, and Mm. yeah.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, well, someone like yourself who's probably been doing live music, what, for the last 30, 40? 40 years. 40 years, I mean, and (laughs) this is probably the longest break you've ever had.
1: Look, it's, the good thing is I get to hang out with my daughter, you know, she's growing up, she's seven. It's the longest I've spent at home since she's been born. Mm. You know, in a in a straight thing, and that can't be a bad thing. Yeah. Um. And I've you know I've only really missed a couple of tours. Yeah. At this stage, but um, just depends on how we go back. You know. Uh, yeah. I, so I don't I don't mind that side of it. I'm really used to being at home now. But um. Yeah, I mean, just to look in the book and say, no, geez, fucking hell. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, it's been murderously hard.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, even if you weren't playing yourself, you were probably down here mixing a band. down here mixing a band, yeah. just around.
1: Which has been, you know, um, and totally, you know, I, I'm up front with my wife about it, totally about the, you know, I mean, yeah, we do see this as our investment, this whole place. Yeah. But. You know, she knows it's my investment in kind of not going mad to, mm. just to be down here mixing a band and just seeing yeah. who's who's on. Yeah, you know, so, Sometimes I come down here and I find that the band's got a mixer and I go, ah, okay, <laughs> you know, I should go home now. You kick I'm, him out, but I'm, I'm the I'm, boss, but I'm out not, you go. But <laughs> <Yeah>. I'm not. <laughs>
0: so, um, I mean, just to show you how much and how quick sort of things changed, at the end of January, this venue, the Merry Creek Tavern, had a bushfire relief fundraiser over the whole weekend um, and you had a sold-out show at the Spotted Mallard, like a fundraiser yeah. show. And that yeah. was only January when we were sort of dealing with the bushfire. Um, and that just shows like the music industry, you know, is always there to, to lend a hand. Yeah. And um, I saw that open letter uh, that basically the whole industry put out the other day. Did you see that? And, like, yeah. It was all different yeah. musos. I think this venue signed it off yeah, as well, yeah, we just um, asking the government for uh, a bit more help to to get us through.
1: Yeah, a bit more help and a bit of a directive about how we are going to get back, you know. Like James Young, um, who runs you know, Cherry Bar and a few yeah. other things, manages even, uh, or works with even, um, he put out a thing and, uh, you know, it was a little hysterical because it just came on the back of, yeah, the protests in America, which I just don't like, and I don't like the fact that we did those protests here, you know, and in the same way as the Prime Minister doesn't like the way the copycat protests, well, it wasn't just because they copycat, I just reckon they were fucking wrong. I reckon they're wrong to be protesting and about, about that, you know. I mean, if the Black Lives Matter thing, it's obviously a, bit different to whether people can, that's, that's a bit, bit of a different issue as to whether people can go back and work at their car wash or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I just, so I didn't, so, so when James Young sort of, he sort of wrote an open letter about how we get venues back, but I did like the fact that he suggested some ideas, you know, about how we do it and, how, and it's also a matter of how we get people's confidence back to walk into this room. The musicians and the, and the fans, yeah, really. Yeah, yeah look, I know Wally, who plays with me, you know, I was sort of saying, well, the parlour gigs that we do, I said, well, the, you know, they've been fantastic, nearly all the people that had parlour gigs booked in, because that's the one that we did lose. We lost, you know, a dozen of those gigs. Nearly all the ones that we, we had in, they've paid deposits and they've, all of them have said, you just keep that money, you know. Yeah. You keep that money till we reschedule, we're g- and and then that birthday party or that in, you know anniversary that we were going to do, that will just become a hooray we're out of out of this um, crisis party, you know. And but Wally's going, well, Mick, he goes, you know what the our partners are like? Goes, they get drunk, you know, and they put mm. their arm around you and they, yeah. <laughs> they hug you, you yeah, know. Yeah, and yeah. I go, yeah, I know, but. I said, now you've got a really good excuse to tell them to fucking not do it. Because up until now, you just looked like a prick when you said, hey, please don't touch me, you know. Mm. But, you know, I've never loved being touched after gigs and stuff. After gigs, I'm a bit sort of nervy and tense anyway. And someone, you know, comes up and grabs you and you go... Please, you know, and quite often you come across like a bit of a snob or a bit yeah. of a, like you're being a bit harsh. So I said to, well, now you get the perfect excuse to <laughs> say to people, sorry, but you're not allowed to take this. Yeah. So, look, it's a government thing, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, look, it's, it's, the, the road back's going to be strange. And, but I, I think what APRA and Creative Vic and all those people have been trying to say is, you know, can the government please value what we do mm. and, and see us as a resource and see, Getting us back, you know, playing and uh, please see it as a resource. And, and they're fucking nuts for not, for not seeing it because it mm. does generate so much money,
0: especially it's- in Melbourne. Yeah. You know, it's such, like, well, I guess they call it the music capital of Australia, yeah. which I guess it is, but that doesn't mean the other states aren't I don't doing great even business care. as well. I don't
1: even care about that. Yeah. It's not a fucking competition. It's just, I, I just want to be in a good industry. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, I I love music. All I ever wanted to do was play music, you know? Yeah. So that's why, you know, I live here and not in Geelong, you know, because I grew up in Geelong. Yeah. But, you know, Melbourne was where it's at. I, I could see that way back when, and, um, you know, it's why I'm here. And yeah, I wish they could sort of. I wish they, you know, like I just love the fact that James Young wrote this thing. He said, well, can we make sure that there's people at the door of the venue with that?" Yeah, because like I say, I've been to restaurants twice this week and neither time did they have sanitizer. And mm. I can, that's fucked. That's seriously fucked. Mm. You know, and, and why should they have to foot the cost of you know if like what what would it cost to have you know how many what they're going to go through maybe maybe 2 liters a day so that's 50 bucks a day it does go a long way though like it does a go a long way to, yeah. a tub of it or whatever yeah so you know so 2 or 300 bucks a week you know come on give us give us a subsidy and and my my tip and I'm going to push for this because I've got a meeting with the council about all this is to say, well, if you value live music in Darabin, and you bloody well should because there's not that many other industries that are based out of Darabin, but live music it figures really heavily in Darabin and you look at how many people it employs. Mm. And what we're known for in the north of Melbourne is, you know, it's, um, it's a thing. And I think, what you know, it's great that there's people out on the street right every day um, wiping down... Yeah, you know, the button where you go across at the lights and stuff. Well, why not have it night? Say f- f- for the Westgarth precinct. You know, this little precinct down the bottom of the hill. Well, there's like, you know, ten restaurants and five or six bars. Why not have one person that works all night, goes around each bar, makes sure there's hand sanitizer there. Have a you know a government pool for that. There's yeah. your hand sanitizer. Comes in and and say for the venues where someone's got to stand at the door and make sure someone signs the book. Call them the COVID angels, you know, and so they come in and they stand there and they say, hey, your person can go and have a rest now. They can go and. Clean up some glasses or wash some dishes. Do whatever. We'll stand here for a while, make sure people sign the book. Say hi. I'm from Derraban. You know, we're yeah. just doing this. It's going to be great. We're gonna. We really want to look after this place. And then, when you know Joe Blow, like I, me, gets back from collecting the glasses, well, then maybe I stand at the door and maybe they go around and wipe down every table and be really chatty with people. And 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 because I think if we do that, then we kind of don't need to have this strict. Four meters per person, four square meters per person. Mm-hmm. We well, just say, look, don't be a dickhead. Yeah, yeah. If you spot someone being a dickhead, you know, staggering around drunk and putting their arm around people, hey, <laughs> hey mate, it's just not on. It's <laughs> not on. We want to get people's confidence, you know. We, we were and and to say to the bar, everyone cool, you're all right, you know. That guy looks like oh, he's causing a bit of trouble, you know. But that thing, then they're off to the next venue, you know. Mm. And they could just do that around the street all night, and really. That would be such a proactive thing, yeah. And that's what, like I said, beyond the fact that James Young's thing came out at the time when people were having those horrible protests, I thought it was really proactive because it was trying to say, like, let's try and get people's confidence back. Mm. Because people go, well, look, you know, how the Merry Creek Tavern. Someone went there the night. Someone was standing at the door. They made me sign the book. They made me uh, do a hand sanitizer. Everywhere I looked, there was hand sanitizer. Uh, Every 10 minutes I looked up and, yeah, Mick or Marky were walking through and fucking wiping everything down. Yeah, they're trying as hard as they can try. Mm. And, you know, to send that message is going to be really fucking important.
0: And I think that would send, like, if you did the right thing here and were very proactive and people noticed, I think that would filter to other venues and they would, you know, strive to do the same thing because... They know that that's what people want, yep. and you've sort of set a standard there, and other venues have to.
1: And what? what look, this is what I don't understand in my you know ridiculously fucking simple layman's brain. But if the government's giving me seven hundred bucks a week for job or six hundred fifty bucks a week for job right? Well, why don't you say here's a fucking job to someone, right? Mm. Here's a job. Instead of JobKeeper, i will going to give you a job. And you're only going to get 650 bucks a week. But here's the rub. You start at fucking 7 o'clock at night and you work till midnight, five nights a week, you know, and you just do do exactly what I was just saying. Yeah. And so get a bunch of people mm. and just to fucking do the strip and do the street. And all of a sudden you go, City of Derebin is being really fucking proactive, you know, they're doing something, they're on the money, you know. And I just don't... I just don't understand the thinking of these
0: uh, And it's people. more of a community sort of yeah. community building and gets people off their yeah. backsides, not just getting money for free sort of thing, and That's they're right. actually doing something positive. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I thought this open letter to the government was, like there were a few interesting things in there and um, some interesting figures like how much money, you know, the industry does make. Um, uh, what did they say? Oh, I had it highlighted a second ago. For every, every dollar spent on live music circulates $3 into the broader community. Yep, yep. Um, and we contribute $16 billion to the economy and we're an asset uh, that is a linchpin for tourism and hospitality sectors and a powerful driver of metropolitan and regional economies and export to the world. Yeah. So there was Look, so many things in this letter. Yeah, well,
1: was... yeah, what's New Orleans and Memphis? What, mm. what are the, I mean, the second biggest industry in Memphis is music tourism, right? Yeah. It's fucking Beale Street. It's all this. And, you know, don't... I'm not trying to pull the wool over anyone's eyes. I know that when we go there to make a record in Memphis, we are just like super tourists. Is what they really just go? Who in the fuck are you? You know, you turn up from Melbourne, Australia, but they want the money. Mm. So, you know, we paid good good money to work in the studios there, right? So that's their industry. Music is their industry, and yes. it's recognised as their industry. And so you've got B.B. King Boulevard. You've got all these streets that are named after musicians. Um, I haven't even been to New Orleans, but I'm sure it's exactly the same. You know, mm. There's a music precinct, and I'm sure it's called a music precinct and delineated as that and valued. Yeah. And you go, well, listen, guys, you know, this, this strip's pretty amazing. If you look at the amount of, you know, I, I know the guys from Yep Rock in the States came out. Um, and Darren Hanlon, who's signed to Yeprock, um, you know, said, where are you going? And they said, oh, I think they spent, you know, 10 days in Sydney and three in Melbourne or something like that, one in Brisbane. And they just said, oh, why in the fuck didn't we stay in Melbourne? Mm. And Darren just, Darren just said, took him on a Saturday afternoon walk from the Yarra Hotel into Fitzroy and said, we'll stop here, we'll stop there, we'll stop here. And they just went to Gigati and they just said, fuck, they said, is this sort of some f- weird festival? And they said, no, this is just Saturday afternoon
0: mm.
1: in wow. the inner north of Melbourne. So, you know, what can't <sighs> Sally Cap or someone just realise that, you know, I mean, I don't want to cause the the north v south ruction, you know, I don't give a shit about what goes on over there, but, um, you know, what can't someone recognise that this is pretty amazing, you know, mm. that to... If, to walk up this this street yeah that you know that so if you if go in into Fitzroy and start at the gasometer yeah that, that on one strip, what do you got you know you've got the gasometer, Sun velvet morning here uh, open studio, you know, a couple of those bars and Wesley wrote, Ann. For music Wesley Ann yeah. um, 303 and yeah. the social club. Um, Thornbury Local, just keep going. I mean, I'm, I'm mm. up to 10. By the time you hit Bell Swamplands. Street, Swamplands. Swamplands, yeah. By the time you hit Bell Street, you've really, um, Thornbury Theatre. Yeah. You know, you, yeah. But the you've done, you've at 15 or 16 venues. And then on top of that, there's a shitload of bars and, yeah. and restaurants and cafes. So you go, that's pretty strong. Mm. That employs a lot of people. But also, someone coming from somewhere else in the world will go, Wow.
0: Wow. Yeah. yeah. Just like we sort of look up to a lot of places overseas like Memphis and that sort of thing.
1: Yeah. And you know, we look at it like, wow. and But but look, I, honestly, I've spent a fair bit of time in Memphis, enough, enough to have some sort of opinion, and I just go, well, Memphis' gig guide, if you take Beale Street out of it, mm. it's just like. Fucking Tuesday night at Adelaide, really. It's mm. it's it's not that much going on. Mm, okay. You're not going to see that many new bands, original bands, touring bands, you know. Yeah. You just not.
0: Okay. Yeah, it's one place I haven't been, but I definitely yeah, look forward to going, going, going one day. Yeah, I've done good. LA and Seattle and yeah. that yeah, side, yeah, but yeah. there's a whole big chunk I haven't yeah, done yet. But yeah. um, So do you think in Melbourne, like,
1: there'll be a lot of venues that just don't reopen? Yep. Yeah Without a doubt Yeah You can say goodbye To the spotted mallard it, um, uh, oh, really? to, guess, guess to, to the caravan The caravan To me Caravan is the biggest loss You know mm-hmm. And they're all venues That were problematic You know In the caravan Like Peter bought his pub Down the bush And he wasn't getting Into it that much But the caravan Has been so important For really I, I, I believe it's the, the venue That sort of changed Music in Melbourne Because they, they kind of just had this thing of like they were going to stick to their guns about making you know, music that appealed to an older demographic and, and they didn't see any problem with that and they've been, you know, it's been staunch and it's been really successful, mm. you know, just a place for a whole lot of bands, a whole lot of musicians have kept employment out of that place and it's offs and it's, you know, and I think the loss of that is going to be just catastrophic. Yeah.
0: So is, that, is it gone as
1: we speak or it just... just? dead. Oh. <sighs> um, so you know, because you've only got to make it so hard and there's a point at which hard becomes too hard, you yeah. know. And that you know, it's we're not that far off that with this place, you know. It's gonna be hard for us to get going. Whatever happens, it's gonna be really hard for us to get back. And there's a point at which you just go, Well, you know. It's too hard, you
0: know. Yeah. It's just out of everyone's control at the moment.
1: Look, it is, but, you know, there's just some idiocy going on, Mm. you know, and a lot of it is at government level, and a lot of it is, you know, people making decisions who are conflicted and who don't really have a clue. Yeah. Uh, So sometimes something will happen and you go, well, you've made that decision, but you've made it without a real basis of thought, you know, like of of so I just go well. You've never rerun really run a business if you would think that that was acceptable, you know. And you've never put your own money into things, you know. And it's so you know the whole and the whole idea that we're just going to be back working by the end of September is just so fucking stupid.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's just so yeah. I mean, I, I'm as pessimistic as I've been. Really, yeah, about about that, you know. I mean,
0: I mean, it was hard enough to run a venue. Yeah, and keep I mean, it... we just just got ahead
1: after two years, and <laughs> yeah. and like Marky, who's the manager of the place, is saying, "Well, yeah," he said, "We've just got ahead." He said, "But we've just got ahead because he said he works eighty hours a week." He goes, "And cause I and he goes, Mick, you you clean the place for twenty five bucks a day." He goes, "You are fucking you." You're an adult, you know, you, you're a professional musician all your life and you're cleaning toilets for 25 bucks a day, you know. Like, yeah. that, so that's how we've gotten the place ahead. It, he said, so it's not sustainable where we are. Like, like, even, even at the peak of, you know, our, our trading, he said, well, basically we had to look at how to wind a better lifestyle into that and still be profitable, he said, and we were going in the right way, but we still weren't quite there. Mm. So what I'm trying to say is, you know, even this place, which seemed to be ticking over pretty well, is still problematic, you know. It's still, we're, we're a long way from being, you know, in the clear.
0: And So, I mean, it's not just a matter of... Getting things reopen and up again because it's not just going to go back to what it was, but it's like the whole the whole model needs to change in the music industry anyway,
1: doesn't it? Look, I think it w- yeah, I, I totally agree, and I, I think it kind of has to be because it's like the thing of people not paying for gigs, or free gigs, is just yeah. it's kind of just it's just going to have to go. Especially it's going to have to go now. People are just going to have to pay and pay properly, you know.
0: Yeah. I mean, where's that change going to come from? I mean, it's such a... I can't even sort of get the sentence out what I'm trying to say, but just the... Yeah, I guess people... I don't know. Because, you know, so many people play for for free and then, you know, venues aren't making money either. So it's like somehow the venue and the musician are going to work better
1: together or something. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know where where the money's going to be, you know. I mean, it's going yeah. to be, you know, it's, it's look, it's like I swim every day, right? I love swimming. And, you know, not having the pool open has been really shitting me. And so... When they went back the day before yesterday, I was there the first day, and we were all lined up outside. And then I went yesterday, and there was you know I swam on my own, and today I swam on my own. And it's like, I said, yeah, it's just been pretty slow, you know. And so, well, you know, to me, I go, well, I mean, I was in, I was teary the first day back, you know, because like, mm-hmm. you go, well, you don't miss what you've got till it's gone, you know. Yeah. Um, and same with live music, you know. it, it I guess the people on breakfast radio and breakfast television are going, oh, live music, this, live music, that. And I'm going, well, do you really give a shit? <laughs> yeah. No. Like, like you
0: said, live music to them isn't the Merry Creek Tavern no. or something like that. No, it's
1: it's you know, a day underground once a year. And yeah. So they're going to find a way to get their gig. So, I, you yeah. know, I am. I, I, uh, yeah, look, I started to think we will be in a year's time, you know, yeah. and I hope I'm wrong, but I, I, I don't feel great about it, you know, and I, I just don't know. I don't know if there's the, that sense of valuing it as a real, as a as a resource and a, as a not just as, as a commodity, but a, as a resource and as a as a really valid, viable, you know, I mean, because just. Think about when the government turned around and they said, we're going to spend some money, we're going to, you know, stimulate the economy. It's the first thing they do is give money to fucking tradies, you know. Mm. But I, I mean, I think Paul Ke- Keating really wisely and wittily called it, yeah, what do you call it, keeper, you know, and it was, they were they were the people that voted these pricks in, right. So, and it's just smoke and mirrors, you know. It's not, they're not giving much money. But if they took that same amount of money and put it into music venues, that, that could have a serious effect, you know. Mm. So, I mean, in this place, what do we need? Well, we need better ventilation in here for sure. We're going to need new sinks out there um, to, you know, wash your hands. Um, like I say, someone to stand on the door. So, yeah. some little dispensation, you know, for someone to be able to be on the door. You know, there's money you could spend on this place, making it a lot more, um, you know, post pandemic friendly. Um, that was going to create confidence and, you know, some sort of push on all these things to, to get people out and back on the strip and mm. doing stuff, you know. And, I mean, at the heart of the thing, you know, the the crisis, I'd go to the bottle shop up in High Street and, fuck, it's just so distressing to see. <sighs> just looked like the end of the world, yeah. Uh, why do you think that um, the
0: government, I guess, doesn't value or doesn't seem to value live
1: music. Oh, I think because they're just dags, you know, the guys that come from, you know, the, 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 they just come from the other side of the tracks, and and we're kind of their natural opposition. So it's why they don't. It's why they don't um, value the ABC. Mm. Look, I, I I would think the ABC has been so important this year during all this crisis you know, the bushfires and drought and this. You know, ABC's been such a linchpin for me and such a a great place to ferment thought and ideas and it's just fucking so important to have that radio station, that television station there. And, yeah, it could be so much better. It could be so much better without a doubt. But it's still there. But this government don't value the ABC. Why don't they value the ABC? Because they're not their people and they feel that's where they cop their criticism from. So they're not their voters, they're not their people, and they're immediate that they don't like. Well, I think the same goes for rock and roll and for music, Mm. is that we're not their people. They know that where they cop criticism is from the left and we're seen as being on the left. I don't, most people I know in music aren't particularly politically motivated. Mm. Most of them are small-time capitalists like me. It's what I'm a small-time capitalist. I work. I run a small-time bar and a small-time band, you know, I'm a. Small time capitalist. So am I politically left or right? I think I'm, you know, slightly left, but not that much. Not mm. as much as I was twenty, thirty years ago. Mm. But I'm still not their people, you know? And yeah. I just reckon it's a totally ideologically based judgment, you know, and it's not it's and I I think that's why I honestly believe we'll do better under Labour under a Labor government, you know, than we will under a Liberal government. But I don't... It's like the argument against Coopers, you know, because Coopers Brewery came out... All right, there's a couple of tweets that come out and made pretty right-wing statements. um, So it was during the last election. uh, And... So everyone in the inner city black band Coopers and everyone said they're not going to drink Coopers. But talking to Marky, who runs this place with me, he's from Adelaide, and he said, he said I totally agree, and it's fine, you can't have Coopers anymore because Coopers is the uncool beer. He goes, but besides the fact that beer's good, um, he said, they're really supportive of rock and roll music, mm. it, especially in Adelaide, they're really supportive, supportive in a way no other brewery has been. Yeah. He said, and believe it or not, they're supportive of the... Um, gay and lesbian street parade. They're, mm. they're the major supporter of it, yeah. So you go, well, I don't really care that the fact that the Coopers are major donors to the Le- Liberal Party in South Australia, and they are. Well, I think it, it's sort of paradoxical because I think the fact that there's still people on the board of that brewery that are called Cooper, Coopers is, is, is fantastic. It's amazing. It's kind of very left-wing and very old-fashioned, the, f- the idea that a... Place could stay in a family and not be totally corporatized, and and the idea that they still make beer that's kind of brewed yeah. the, the original way is to me a you know a reasonably kind of political act because it's against you know mass production and against all these things. So it doesn't have to be stamped, you know, that it's left wing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I just think what they do is great, you know. So I mean, I wish we could have more involvement. I wish they'd stick some money into some <laughs> stuff because it's. Um, God knows, you know, Young Henrys are the only brewery that that have really sort of gone out in a limb for rock and roll that I can see. I mean, all the other ones are helpful and supportive when they can be, and a lot of them are too small to be of any sort of to have have the bankroll to do it. But what I'm trying to get at is, it's um, it should be advantageous to a government to support rock and roll. Yeah, you know, we we yeah. create employment, we make the cities look good. You know, we, we, you know, the cities, the cities with rock and roll that are known for it, they're all cities that are pumping. You know, like Nashville or, you know, Portland and mm. Seattle and they're all all the cities with really good strong music scenes. They're all the happening cities. Hermansburg out of New York, it's that's a really happening place. It's a place where New York's kind of, you know, bejoning mm. to, to And it's so, like, yeah, well, it makes perfect sense, you know. And even just in terms of land values, just be really cynical about it. Take a derelict area, put rock and roll in there, put a bunch of venues, and all of a sudden fucking land prices are mm. going up.
0: I mean, in this open letter, they list some of those people that are employed through music, you know. They say the plight of hundreds of thousands of people who work and pay taxes, you've got musicians, songwriters, screen composers, crews, managers, promoters, uh, production houses, ticketing companies, agents, background music suppliers, and then those who work in venues, um, you know, uh, record. Oh, basta. It's just a massive, massive industry. I mean, yeah. what about on a, um, a state government level? You know, Melbourne being the music capital of Australia, so to speak, mm. you know, we've got, we've got a Labor state government. Do you think they're doing enough? Or do you think they value
1: the industry enough? Maybe. Maybe we'll, we'll just see, you know, as we sort of the, – the road back becomes oh – look, I've been really happy with their current response to the pandemic. I think they've done a great job. And I don't want to be one of those people that's grizzling and going, well, why did restaurants get to go back when we didn't? Because, yeah. Yeah, well, that's fucking really obvious because people sit down to eat you know, <laughs> and they fucking stand up to watch yeah. rock and roll, you know. It's it's really simple and it's obvious. And, you yeah, I hate that sort of talking and that bitching and griping because – you know, I've got a bloody wife who's immune compromised, and you know, I, and I, you know, plenty of old people in my life.
0: Yeah,
1: and I, I want my daughter to grow up knowing her grandparents, you know, mm. and they're in their eighties, and say, so, no, they did the right thing. They did really did the right thing. and It's great. We should be proud and rapt, and yeah. and and feel privileged. You know that that we we live in a society that's organised enough and and selfless enough." to go, well, yeah, it's pretty shitty. I can't go out Friday night, but, you know.
0: Yeah. I just, even if the governments don't get what we're doing, I mean, even just seeing that $16 billion figure in the economy, even if they don't just recognise that, you know, I, that's what I don't understand.
1: Well, I don't understand why they love racing so much, uh, you know. Yeah. Racing's like racing didn't even have to stop. Mm. Crown Casino didn't have to stop. All these other things that didn't have to stop, that's... Yeah, that's where i get shitty, you know. Uh, even, yeah, the, the the Crown Casino was open for way... Shut up. <laughs> the Crown Casino was open for way too long. Mm. I'll say that straight out, you know. They just should have been shut down so much earlier. they go, No, oh, it's only every second poker machine. You know? Oh, my God, have you seen the size of that
0: joint, you know? Yeah. No comment on that one. Yeah. That's not my yeah. scene, so... Yeah. <laughs> All right, well... You know, it's been a, a downtime, but you haven't exactly not been doing anything. Um, you've released a new single, See You When I'm Looking At You. And um, it's a chain song that you basically kicked off uh, with a bunch of friends of yours uh, throughout the music industry all around Australia. Uh, the song runs for about nine minutes, um, it was recorded under isolation. Um, and apparently it all started with you tinkering on a piano. Yeah, yeah, which is
1: atypical again. I don't run on the piano so much, but um, yeah, it was just a, an idea, and, you know, I think of it by the end of it, and just I did an interview the other day with Angie Hart, who was the first person that sort of got back to me with a, another verse for the song. And she just said she just loved the project because she said you know she was struggling she was doing homeschooling with a kid you know said twenty four seven looking after a kid and not having any you know just being totally bombarded by that and she said she just wasn't in a position to take up a massive project but she just loved it because it just you know she just got on this record and, and she could watch it growing each week and and yeah and the more I think about it it was kind of very therapeutic for me to you know, just to be out in the studio puddling away and I'd do a bit, then I'd send it off to someone else and then I'd come in and someone would have sent me a file, you know. And if, and then we started adding other songs into it you know, that I was writing at the time. And, you know, I've never done anything that's been so um, time-specific in terms of the the writing, you know. Never in my, you know, 40 years of playing music have I actually had a bunch of songs that have come from the same couple of weeks. And right. this is pretty much what they... What they are very, are very relevant to that that month you know, to April twenty twenty, so it's just a, l- a lovely feeling to be able to send. And like I say, I was going through these kind of withdrawals of not being able to, you know, play music or come down here or you know, be hanging out with people. And um, yeah, it was it was really valuable, you know. So um, it was one area where the you know the technology we've gotten to, you know, was really something that you just couldn't have done 10 years ago, you know. Um, And I know what it was like trying to get machines to talk to each other 10 years ago. There wasn't that sense of you could just, you know, send off a file and someone could work on it, you know, and send it back. But, uh, you know, I I won't say we didn't end up with this holy kind of, Mess of things that Craig Pilkington had to sort of pull into line, and he just did an incredible job. I was going to say, who's the poor guy that had to put it all? Together? Yeah, it was amazing. It was amazing, <laughs> and I, I mean, I, I thought enough to to play it to a click track, and I'm yeah, you know, I've just never been very good at mechanized music on any level. Um, but I yeah, you know, I was able to sort of get a click track on there. Yeah. So everything could be sort of moved around enough and sort of gotten into into sync with each other, but, you know, it was a hell of a job for Craig. And it, and not just on the big, the nine-minute track with, you know, ten different um songwriters on it, but, you know, even the other songs that we recorded were all recorded. You know, I'd, I'd record to a trick track, click track, then sort of send it off. And so it was a very backward way of recording for me, you know, because the drums pretty much went on last of the whole thing. You know, oh, so, well, So it was a lot of work to... Yeah. Which, you know... For a short period, I think in the late 80s, there was this period where the, there was a fashion in the studios for drums to go on last, but I oh, that's fucking idiotic if you ask me. That wouldn't, wouldn't be easy, yeah. Can't, can't see the point, you know. Yeah. And it just means that everyone's played to not the drums. Yeah. You know, I just think you want to play to the drums, you know.
0: Always like, seems to be the backbone
1: yeah. of the song. Yeah. But, you know, yeah, it took, it took a lot of work. But what was just great is it was just... And honestly, it it was nowhere near a conscious decision to try and get people from all over the country, but it just ended up being that, you know, Mm. that Vicky Thorne from the Wafes was there in southwestern Australia, and, you know, Alana Jacques was in Adelaide, and just, and nearly all the people on the record were people I've worked with in the last kind of couple of years, you Mm. know, so... Yeah, no, it was a really enjoyable project. And Look, I said to Brian Wise today, I said, oh, look, I don't even know if I'll be playing any of these songs in 10 years' time, probably not. He said, Mick, he said you'll be playing these songs in 10 mm. years' time. You yeah. know, So, yeah, I, th- I think it was kind of a really emotional, emotive time. Right? Well, I think you captured that in the
0: song. Like when I first listened to it, I could hear it, and then even more so when I uh, watched the video, the music yeah. video for yeah. it, I thought it really captured... That time, which it actually, you know, what was it? April, I think. Well, you recorded in April. You know, it's not long ago, but it feels like longer ago. I
1: know. And just to to make a record in April and have it come out in June is just crazy. (laughs) It's incredible, (laughs) you know. Yeah.
0: So yeah, you've got a new album uh, coming out uh, next week. Um, Now this was this is a Mick Thomas and the Roving Commission new album. Called. See you on the other side, um, which also features that single, um, and it's a postcard from April 2020, and will be released on June 19th. And it will be you're having a uh, a live stream album launch on June 22nd. Sorry, 20, June 21st. 21st, yeah, yeah, at the uh, Memo Music Hall, which is yeah. sort of what you mentioned before. So, yeah, album album launch live stream on June 21st, kicking off at uh, 8.30 p.m. Yep. at uh, the Memo Music Hall. So I think you have to uh, go to memomusichall.com.au to get tickets for that one. Um, and what's that next Sunday, isn't it?
1: Uh, yes, Sunday week, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. All right.
0: So the album drops on June 19th. Um, where's the best place to get that, Bandcamp?
1: Well, digitally, it's, you can do the pre-order now. Yeah. Um, uh, so digitally, it hits on the 19th. So from that point on, you can stream it or do whatever you want if you're one of those people. Yeah. Um, but the physical stock should be in the store. The week after, um, maybe the vinyl might take a bit longer, but you know, yeah, vinyl just takes longer. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: it sounds better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure does. Yeah, yeah. So uh, all these tracks you wrote during this isolation
1: period, um, mint condition was written before it. Oh yeah, but that. But that that was released during that period as a single, as a seven inch single. So I thought we couldn't leave that off it. So yeah,
0: yeah. So that mint condition. Um, That was uh, taken from a a new online drama series of the same name about Melbourne record stores?
1: Yeah, Melbourne stores and Melbourne music, you know. Look, it's television shows, films about music and sport are are kind of fraught, you know, they're they're tough things because the people that do them, i.e. me and you, you know, you sit back with folded arms and go, well, that wouldn't have happened, that wouldn't have happened. But the fact of it is... It's likely enough what's happened in it as a as a major you know the basic plot of it and there's music in it each week and they're just local bands and I just think it's great and it's great the sort of the breadth of it you know that you know that one moment they're going to see Chuck Jenkins in the pub and the next moment they are going to see Kylie Oldest and the next moment some you know band I haven't heard of and mm-hmm. it's great it's it's really and they just want to they want it to be about music and about people who. We love music, you know. Yeah. Be someone who does a podcast and, you know, plays music or plays in a band and runs a venue or runs a little record label, you know. It's, yeah, it's it's really cool. Cool.
0: So this new album, um, was it recorded mostly at home and then you sort of Mm. had Craig work on it as
1: well? Yeah, it was all, I mean, I could have had a version of that album that was totally recorded at my, my place. But as it sort of grew and grew, you know, I thought, well, you know, this is kind of, I owe this, you know, a little bit more than that. So basically after about four verses of of the the major song of See You When I'm Looking At You, I just went, I had this thing where I was trying to get each new verse and put it in there and put it in this drop box so that people wouldn't double up on themes or or, um, imagery and stuff. Then I thought, oh, fuck it, you know, like it's, 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 It's pretty clear what the song's about. What people make of it, if they double up, they double up. It doesn't matter, you know. Then that just becomes where people's emphasis lies. So there's a lot about dreams, a lot about, you know, various things. And I just think... It was just great to let it grow like that. But what, I, what, what I'm getting at is at the end I was left with 10 verses and I had well, there's one on this one, one on that. Yeah, you know, They're all on different tracks. Craig, and the great thing about Craig is he's a totally conceptual thinker, so it took it about two minutes to grasp what I was trying to tell him. Wow. Was a was a different engineer who might be really skilled at audio stuff would have been going, what, what, are, you, what are you fucking trying to do here? <laughs> what are you here? talking about? What are you talking about? <laughs> and Craig totally got it with well, a snap. He yeah. said, right, okay. He said, let's leave it there. And, and so he just sort of started bringing him in and he, and he said, all right, I'm going to edit it up. And he said, you know, I remember him saying, look, he said, the bass is really in with the click track. And he said, and you're wandering all over the shop and you've done all these edits and the edits... Some are better than others, you know. Yeah. Um, and he said the the organ that Wally's put over is totally fine because it's, it's not really percussive and it doesn't really come. So he said, you know, we just d- discussed how to get the guitar in time and he, he just said, why don't you just play the guitar from the start mm. to the finish? And yeah. so it's an actual complete guitar track, mm. whereas the bass is edited. And then when we had that, then we put the drums on at the end um, and then Cam Butler... Played guitar to it, which is great because I just I just love his guitar playing. Um, so, and then in terms of sending it all off to people to write verses for it, I, I you know I've just picked a couple at a time just because I didn't want it to. I didn't want to send out forty and have you know twenty eight people get back to me with verses and you couldn't possibly use it. Um, but Dana, I sent one to Dana Gammon and, and in Brisbane, and she just put a guitar solo on it. She oh, just, So it's got a guitar solo. <laughs> like, you would never think t- in, in a song that long that you're going to actually give up a whole verse for a guitar solo. But it really kind of is a really great little moment in yeah. the recording. So I just sort of thought it was a really funny thing to do, you know, and it, it just made me chuckle. Yeah. But, um, it, yeah, it was just really... Um, I know it was – I mean, I don't really want to keep recording like that. I, I hope that's not the way it's going to have to go from yeah. now on. But it was a really valuable way to be able to do it, and it was kind of really good therapy. And a few of the people have commented that, you know, it was just to be involved was, was really great, and it kept people a bit in touch with each other. And
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think without today's technology, it would have been – like, yeah. imagine going through this, uh, yeah. I don't know, 20 years ago with, uh, well – not, not, you know, not having Zoom and, yeah, uh, yeah, like you said, not being
1: able to send audio files across and that sort of thing. Look, just that sending audio files, because I, I mean, at the end of the weddings, you know, when we kind of realised that, like, we, we talked about home, like, recording ourselves when we did King Tide, which was the last album, and we were, we sort of discussed buying, like, a tape machine for 20,000 bucks, and, uh, you know, and all this stuff. Yeah. And we just kind of weren't in the right headspace. And then ADATs kind of hit, and we did... We did River Esque on ADATs with a guy who was pretty good at wrangling them, and they were really ornery machines to, mm-hmm. to, to do it. But we came out of that thinking, well, well, this is going to be possible to record ourselves in the future, <laughs> you know. We said, so me and Jen Anderson. In the Anderson, future with flying cars and stuff. Yeah, me and, exactly <laughs> like that. Me and Jen Anderson and Paul Thomas, we said, let's go out and we'll buy this, well, well let each buy a little rig and then we'll have it so they can hook together and we can record the band. We all went and bought ADATs that wouldn't speak to each other. No. So I bought a Fostex ADAT, <laughs> which used uh, like a super VCR sort of thing. She bought like a Tascam one, which is this other fucking tape. Paul bought this fucking thing. I don't know what it was. It was like a, <laughs> a, you know, an 11-track thing. It was a bizarrest thing. Yeah. And they just fucking would not talk to each other. There's no <laughs> way any of those machines would ever oh. be, you know. <laughs> the only way you could ever make those machines work together would be to fill up the eight tracks on that one, and to bounce them down into two on that one, and fill up the next six on that. Then that would be the only way you could yeah. do it, right? And I, I can remember when home recording, the guys in Boom Crash Opera. When I first met them, they had two Fostex four tracks, yeah. and they'd record four tracks on one, bounce it down to two, another two tracks, bounce it back to two. They just go back and forwards like that. They did incredible recordings like that. Right. Amazing. They were. They were. Absolutely amazing. Wow. Um, but there was no way that, that was going to happen, so we just sort of gave up the whole, the whole idea of machines talking to each other or being able to <laughs> record in one spot and take it to another. That was, that was the most foreign thing that in the last few years, I can't remember when, when it first happened, but I, when someone, you know, did something and I got them to do something remotely, and I thought, oh, that, that's actually really doable now.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. it just needs some uh, some poor bugger like Craig to yeah. put it all together, like a genius.
1: Well, we, well, something that he learned during this, as well as I, as well as me, is that sometimes when you convert things to mp 3s they do weird things timing-wise. Oh, okay. And that they don't, and they stretch. So, that, nah. but they don't stretch in terms of pitch. But they just they can stretch slightly in terms of. And that's what we put it down to. And we put it down to something as simple as just because I was so so busy with it that I started doing this thing where I was bouncing tracks down to MP3 rather than bouncing them down to a WAV file and converting them to MP3. And the ones that I'd bounced down to WAV and converted to were fine. But we worked out that nearly all the ones that I just bounced down to MP3, the machine did something weird and it just did this one thing. It was just bizarre, you know, and it was... It was just kind of like a couple of hours of sitting there, and Craig sort of worked it out mathematically. I don't know how the fuck he did it, but he did it, yeah. <laughs> Genius. Yeah. Oh, there's always something, like
0: we said earlier tonight, there's always something technically, even in this little room when we set up, you know, yeah. we had a little uh, ghost in the room that was yeah. causing a buzz, and we just had to move
1: the tables, and we're all good. Yeah, and it's... It's kind of why I like working with people, you know, because yeah. that's why you f- I feel a bit hung out to dry, technically, because every day I'm dealing with a technical problem, just yes. way <laughs> out of my league. You know, so. Uh,
0: so what can people uh, expect from the album launch, from the live stream? Uh, we're going to get a
1: few of the guests down, you know. I've got a good set in my head. Uh, Brian Dancavers is going to compare it because, you know, I, you know I, look, I don't want to take anything away from anyone else who's been doing stuff doing this because everyone's been dealing with it. But... Uh, I've just gotten sick of some people just grinding away into a fucking iPad, you know, and so yeah, it's going to be produced and it's going to look good and yeah and i I kind of think you know back to the idea of how is this going to change the nature of work well, one area where Australia is really backward in terms of the rest of the world is music's just it's not on television here, no. And in America, it is. All those fucking big tonight shows have a band mm. and they have artists on all the time and England has music on television and Australia doesn't, right? Yeah. So fuck the networks, you know, like at least if out of this, because I was one of the guys at Creative Vic who ran the uh, Delivered Live and I just said, this is fucking fantastic. This is like being on the Visage show. It's just all it felt like to me is being on a television show without an audience. Yeah. And I said, "Yeah, well, I said, are you going to keep this going? Because I said, my crowd—they're kind of pretty happy to stay at home sometimes, you know, like the Saturday night. You know, they're quite uh, happy on the couch with the ug boots on and mm. a bunch of beers in in the fridge, and they're going to watch the footy and then just switch over to, you know,
0: yeah.
1: So, and everyone's getting the setup now that." where they, their iPads or their computers will run through their tallies. Mm. So people have got these fucking big screens in their, in their rooms. And, yeah. you know, I saw a few pictures people sent of me of people sort of dancing in front of screens. It looks weird. But um, I, I think it's going to, I don't think it's going to disappear. That's what I'm saying, Yeah, the idea of a broadcast. But the ones that are going to survive are the ones that are done well and devised well. And, you know, a couple of them I felt a bit... Hung out to dry, technically, you know, because I just, it's you know, I'm supposed to be just playing music. I'm not, you know, <laughs> it's pretty hard to do shit when you've got a guitar around your neck and your fingers. And
0: yeah, yeah you're trying
1: know. to focus mm. on actually mm. playing well. And
0: I mean, I, I grew up with uh, recovery, yeah, on the ABC on a Saturday yeah, morning, yeah, that was the best thing, yeah, even now. Like when you watch some of those episodes back. Just, just watching it back is great. Mm. Um, so, you know, that's one show yeah. I really
1: miss. Yeah, well, what happened to all these shows? Yeah. I mean, surely someone would watch them,
0: you know. Weren't they talking about a reboot for Recovery at one stage with, uh, with Dylan Lewis? I mean, he could still do that for sure. He'd still yeah. be great at it. Mm. But, yeah, there's, there's just not much. Like even video hits, you know, all your mm. commercial hits,
1: that's not even on... Anymore, I don't think so. Yeah, but um, those don't mean anything to me, shows, yeah, they should Yeah, at least it was something Rage is Rage, but you can't get I mean, I, I haven't been able to get on Rage for fucking so long you know? Okay I, I keep making clips and doing things And they just don't want to play my shit, you know Yeah, well, I remember uh, I
0: released my first solo EP in 2012 mm. And the first single to that I think back then to get on Rage You had to... Um, uh, get your video Onto a certain formatted tape Yeah I remember mean, like, that what really what? weird tape That really little chunky cool? one yeah. Yeah, yeah I don't even know what they're called And I had I had that done For that first single um, And I think it was around that time That they stopped taking yeah. I'm trying to think back now But yeah I've yeah. still got that tape at home And it never mm. got a run yeah. unfortunately And I think it was around that time Yeah they stopped playing Well um,
1: if there's any consolation to The last ten things I've got I Haven't had a run mm but, you know, we've got our own YouTube channels now. and That's right. You know, if, that's what I'm saying. If this could sort of develop that. You know, I mean, uh, my online life is, you know, fucking messy and not, nowhere near as good as it could be. But I think it's not just all incumbent on the artists. I think someone's got to set up a really good... Yeah. If someone sets up a really good Saturday night live stream and... Does some stuff. You know, they could pull the rug out from under Rage's feet, and it would serve him fucking right for being so snobby. You know. Like so. Well, touching on
0: that, I mean, um, you were part of a YouTube live. Uh, what was it delivered live on YouTube yeah, yeah. in in April? Yeah. Which sort of um, ended up in huge merch sales for you.
1: Just everything about it, yeah. You know, I mean, people paid on the night, you know, I did great out of that, you know, it's sort of, that was one of the things that's helped me kind of cruise through this whole thing and it, it was run really well. Mm. It was like the really high production values and, you know, and there were three cameramen, there were two guys in audio, Henry Wagons was there, there's a producer. You know, it felt like something. You played it, it was a proper gig, you played it like a gig. Mm. You did, and that's, I reckon the other thing about these things when someone's just staring into an iPad in a room, I just get really mumbly, you know. I yeah. I do, you know. I've started this once, like, I'm not going to do that, I'm going to write it a set list. And by the time you're 10 songs through and you just there's nothing coming back, you're going, Oh, yeah, well, I might do something, uh, you know. And then, yeah, you know, it's just too, um, too odd the whole thing. But you know, I reckon if we run them right and do them right and make them good, yeah, it, you know, it's, it's a whole media there waiting to be explored, you know. Is this on screen, yeah, know, audio visual media, which is waiting to be fucking really just dissected, and someone's got to grab grab it by the buddy short and curlies and really run with it, and make it good, you know. Because yeah. Because otherwise, you're just like you you know you're just watching. You know, it's like Channel Thirty One. You know, it's just never worked, and it's ne- no. it's, it's never been great. You know. No. Never sound, it's never sounded any good. Mm. So they've always had a bit of music on, but it's never sounded good. So I've done things on channel 31. I listen back and go, oh, it sounds horrible, you know. I'm like, mm. why? Mm. Why does it have to? And I don't know, the whole question of, you know, sound quality today is such a weird and amorphous area because, you know, most people, you know, you spend thousands of dollars making a record and most people listen through you know, earbuds and through mm. their phone, you know, an MP3. But surely things can be made to sound good, you
0: know. Yeah, well, we've got the technology mm-hmm. these days. Um, but, yeah, maybe that YouTube Live, whether YouTube is the
1: the, the media, funnel for yeah, that
0: or maybe platform,
1: not. The platform, I think it's um,
0: You know, and that allows people to stay home, you know, even if it – uh, is the vehicle for another year until yeah. we sort of come out of this COVID thing a little bit yeah. more, you know. We could yeah. do proper YouTube live streams like you did with Delivered Live. Uh, that and, could that could be a
1: thing, you And know? people have got to be encouraged or made to pay, you know, because it's, you know, the, the wheel's got to be greased somewhere. Yeah, you know? and it does. It's, and it's like people aren't paying for fucking anything, you know, like. Look, I'll give you an example. We released the single "The See you What I'm Looking At You," and we said that the stream, uh, sorry, the download. If you wanted want to hear it, you had to go to the Bandcamp website, and the download was seven bucks, six ninety nine, and the money would go to the Asylum Seekers Resource Centre. Right? Did great. So I'd, it was four thirty on a Friday when I put it up. Over the weekend, it went gangbusters right through to Monday. By Monday night, we had about, it was almost exactly 100 people had chosen to download it. Most of them had chosen to pay at least 10 bucks. So we're already, you know, we already made them over a thousand bucks, right? Tuesday morning, we released the video, went out on Beat, Beat premiered it. It stopped dead. It fucking stopped dead, I'm telling you. So, because all of a sudden people went you know, because up until that point, someone said, oh, I'm interested in this song, sounds really good. They click on the thing, they go to Bandcamp, they get to hear it once. Second time you play it on Bandcamp, the Bandcamp goes, whoa, 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 how about you pay? Yeah. That's what Bandcamp does, right? Yeah. And so most people paid, And after about a day or two of no, and I'm talking no sales, like one or two maybe, I went to each of the, where it was appearing on Facebook or on my thing, and I put a little note on it, hey, this money's going to the ASRC, you know, how about you think about coughing up? And we got it, by the time we cut it off a week later, we got it up to 200 mm. right? But it took like a week to get a 100 when the first time came in two days. And that was as soon as it was available for free, no one gave a shit. Mm. And that's, you know, and that's the whole thing is like, People are going to stream stuff. And, that you know, I know early on John Flanagan, who plays here a bit, he said, can people just stop putting that stuff up for nothing because we've got to try and generate some money here, people. And uh I think, it, you know, you had a point, you know, because there's so much stuff and there's a couple of people I know who are still just manically putting up stuff. Like, and you go, well, you know, the, maybe it's good for the people you know that are watching it, but... And it's not – everything doesn't ride on money. It's like it's, it's got to be good and it's got to be great and make people feel good. But at the same time, I think um, I think the ones that have got a real monetary kind of bent are the ones that I, I like anyway. I
0: think it's got to be a collective effort across the whole music industry, doesn't it? Like yeah. someone and the rest of us just saying, all right, we're not going to put our music out for free anymore. Mm. And just across the board, no one does it, I guess yeah because you know if you see uh, someone you know someone do it, then you kind of think you've got to do it depending what sort of level you're at mm. um and there's the pressure not to put a price on it a little yeah. bit yeah but I think money's yeah. got to come back in the in the pocket of the music even back if it's some, just a little somewhere, bit somewhere
1: yeah yeah i mean there's an article that um Kirsty Rivers posted quite early on in the whole thing, and it said that this thing could actually kill the music industry, Mm. and maybe it needs to die, you know, because maybe the model's all wrong. Yeah. Maybe the model's all wrong. And I think it's, I I think the model is all fucking wrong. Mm. I just, you know, just, nah, you know, and the whole idea, oh, but you'll make your money touring, you'll make your money live. You go, well, fucking why? I mean, I'm making something of value. Yeah. I want to sell it. You know, like, fuck, it's simple as that, isn't it? I'm making something of value, I want to sell it.
0: Yeah. And you make it as, you know, good a quality as you can. You're not just recording it on your phone and say, oh, I've written a song, this recording will do. You're actually going and recording it properly, getting it to a a standard.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you do all this stuff to try and, you know, create some income. and, And, you know, like, I'm sorry, but this whole, yeah and... This is coming from probably the person who has made the majority of his money out of playing live, right? Mm. Like that's how I make my living. But, fuck, I'm 60, you know? I want to be able to fucking not have to tear my fucking ass off. Yeah. I, I love playing live and, I'm you know, it's distressed the living crap out of me to not be able to do it. But at the same time, yeah, you just want to be able to make some money, you know? Like, like fuck, it's, it's... And, you know, I'm just... I'm not tearing my hair out, you know, I'm sort of, I'm going all right with it, but it's like, it's tough, you know. Yeah, well. And yeah, and, ma- and maybe it's right, maybe the music industry, you know, maybe the model's all wrong, you know. But, uh, yeah, it's
0: not going to. How do
1: we change it? I, I don't know, know if
0: anyone's got a real good idea, Yeah. you know, what it should
1: be and how to achieve right. it. No, and, and I'm really aware that I'm fighting this rearguard action, you know, with my whole kind of like. Buy a t shirt, buy a fucking booty, buy a bottle opener, buy whatever. Yeah, that I'm just, I'm the kind of last of the fucking Mohicans really Mm. doing that, you know. You're good at it. I'm good at it, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, but, and I've, it's because I've had to become good at it, you know. Just, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm the guy you don't want to be standing behind in the post office queue. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we've got worse than you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, see, (laughs) um, I'm trying to is it, it's like a cosmetic company or a, yeah, uh, it's what it's like a natural cosmetic company, I know they're always in there with heaps and heaps of shit that they're mailing out during all this. Yeah, we've got a few few different ones. So uh, because you used to be able to go up to Preston yeah. to that commercial sort of mailing thing and not not shit people too much, but um, I don't mind. I just kind of yeah, you know, all the women know me in there. Yeah, some, some. Uh, we all know Mick, and <laughs>
0: uh, we always you know always happy to see you, obviously.
1: So, um, I know I've always done. Uh, it's you know it's a great and it's a great privilege to and it shouldn't be a privilege but to be in a country that does have a really functioning postal service you no, know I mean how would you feel if you're in fucking Greece at the moment you know mm. like I, I don't reckon I've had a fucking parcel go to Greece that's gotten there in the last two <laughs> years to the people I know in Greece yeah, or South Africa yeah but there's not a postal service yeah. Nothing gets there. <laughs> you know, I've got, I've got like this one fan in South Africa. And she just gets, it's fucking pointless. Yeah. She's trying to send me stuff and she gets, it just doesn't get anywhere.
0: Mm. Yeah, some countries are a bit iffy, so maybe question me on that before you actually put
1: it in the post and I'll... Yeah. I'll, I know Greece and South Africa. Yeah. I, I have like a, a little Bluetooth speaker quite a good one, and I left it in a hotel room in South Africa, and just trying to get that fucking scent internally. Yeah, I had to go DHL, and it was still really fucking hard, you know. So, so you know, we 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 shouldn't grumble too much about the good uh, old Australia Post because it's you know it's just it's a simple thing, and it's 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 the last part of a simple chain, you know. Mm. You make some music. You sell it to people. Mm. I, I know with the mint condition thing, because that came out on this uh, thing through Vimeo, right? And the guys that made it, they said, Oh, here's a link, you know. And I linked up and I went on to Vimeo and probably fucked it up five times and finally got through it. And it said, uh, Mint condition, it said, restricted access will cost $10. And I went, Oh. I fucking did some music for this, and I thought, you know what? That's less than a pint of beer. Yeah, these are really good guys. They've been really good to me, and I thought, it's five episodes, ten minutes each. Oh fuck it, ten bucks. What's ten bucks, right? Ten yeah. bucks. So I put ten bucks in, and it says, "Well, this is yours now. It's in really high, you know, high definition. You own it. You can do whatever you want with it. You can stream it on your other devices." I thought this is a good deal. Yeah, This bucks. is a really good deal. 10 bucks. Yeah. I own a bit of art. Yeah. And and I talked to the guys and I said, how's it been going? And they said, oh, it's amazing. They said the first weekend, they said, you know, we did a couple of hundred. You know, we made some thousands back. They said, we didn't make all our money back, but we made, they said, we actually made something back, Mick, you know. Mm. And they're, they're just talking like indie rock kids. And these are guys that are like 40, 40 50 years old. Yeah. Who've been in the music, uh, the film industry for Ever. And they said, it's just a pretty good model. And I said, I think it's a really good model too, you know. Like, so I, I think, I reckon the great missed opportunity in music, in my opinion, is downloading paid downloads. Mm. To me, it's the great model because it's like people can get things at a really high resolution. They can get by web files or AIF, AIFF files. And, and, um, you know they can own it. They can do what you want with it. You can play it on a stereo. It's going to sound fucking great. Yeah. Uh, the, the money goes straight. The artist says no. There's no physical product produced. There's no wastage. Mm. There's no petrochemical fucking nightmare. <laughs> it's. It, but it, we just missed it because the streaming thing came in at the same time, and just blew it out of the water. Yeah. And it was just the. It's the total missed opportunity.
0: So do you think Bandcamp is the best one for that? Bandcamp's
1: great. Yeah. 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 Bandcamp's great. You yeah. Know? And they've just shown their true colours through this whole thing. Mm. This whole once a month, no fees. Oh, yeah. 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 Where's fucking uh, Spotify on yeah. this, you know? Mm. Where's fucking Apple Music on that, you yeah. know? How about once a month you all fucking waive your fees and, you know, give the artists some fucking money, guys, yeah. you know? Like, fuck. It's. <laughs> You know, once a month, I get—I just get a reason to go online and say, hey, buy some of my shit tomorrow, please. And my fans have been so fucking good, and they've done it every time. And so that day, instead of getting, you know, a few thousand bucks minus 10% or 15%, I get a few thousand bucks. Mm. And... The other thing is that they're obviously people who run on the smell of oily red because they understand one thing, that this fucking government data that no one else understands, is that cash flow is your fucking, it's the most important thing. So the money goes straight into your account. Mm. You know? That's, oh, my God, I can't tell you. You know, when you're signed to a label, I'm not even aware that I've ever seen any money, you know. Yeah. (laughs) And as for all these, you know, digital kind of streaming platforms and that, you okay? they don't even ask you what your bank account is when you sign up, you know. It's only going to be if you make some money. Like we were do, doing um, Mint Condition and I said to Brooke Russell, I, I wasn't even going to worry about it, Brooke being the girl, new girl in the band, and she said, I'll do it for you. And um, I said, well, yeah, if you want to do, and she said, oh, TuneCore's okay, I'll do TuneCore to get you on all the platforms. And uh, I said, oh, well, you know, okay. And she said, Oh, yeah, I've done it. And I said, Well, do, you, do I need some money, you know, for doing that? Because I know they always charge. She goes, I oh, know they had some money of yours. I said, What? They had some money of mine? Yeah. I said, God, I can't even remember being on TuneCore, but mm-hmm. it must have been when we had Croxton Records. Mm-hmm. And we ch- she said, Oh, they had $140 of yours and the thing was only 70 bucks. So they said, You know, we'll just contra it against that. I said, oh, Fucking nice of them. Were they going to give me the money? Were they thinking that they might, you know? Yeah. How many people like that are on yeah. TuneCore yeah. that haven't claimed their money? So no one expects to make money off these things.
0: No. Oh, so yeah. they've
1: all got they've all, got all this money. Yeah. They've all got this money sitting there.
0: Mm. Fucking billions. It's billions. I was on TuneCore. I used to use it. And then, you know, I had a little balance in there and... Uh, I'd, I'd forgotten about it and I had to actively cash it out yeah. to get away. And then I went over to DistroKid. That's where
1: I'm DistroKid now. Yeah, I, I can't complain. You know. Good, but do you get any money? Do they pay you? Uh, or- uh,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: Because yeah. yeah. I, I went to try and get paid through Chinkor. And I said, because I wanted to claim the balance, and I had to register for all this IRS stuff, all this American stuff. And yeah. I go, are you kidding me? I wanted sort of tax returns and... Oh, really? Kind of like yeah, all this American... Oh. It's just stuff to deter you from doing it. I said, oh, industry, it's based on this complete mm. sleight of hand. It's fucking... There's so much money floating around that just no one has claimed.
0: Yeah, you know, I haven't seen, like like you said, Spotify or Apple Music. I don't think they've sort of come to the
1: aid... And sort of nah. done anything? I haven't in done this, anything have I? Nah. Bandcamp have recognised that yeah. there's a fucking problem on, yeah. and and the and the whole Black Lives Matter thing they've recognised as a thing on. And there's, do you want to donate to this? And it's like fuck, they you know they're part of the real, they're part of our world, you know. Yeah. No. That's why everyone loves them. And you know who hates them? It's fucking the record companies hate them, and the no. publishing companies hate them because they won't they won't account to them, you know, which is a uh, you know sort of bad. So maybe they're sort of stealing money somewhere. Hmm. I don't know. Now, um, Rob Heller,
0: you know, Rob Heller, he uh, he sort of helped me out with yeah, some, yeah. Um, you know, some questions here and there, but he was wondering, with the parlour gigs, um, they've been cancelled at the moment? Yeah, they have been. Yeah. yeah. Do you reckon they'll pick back up?
1: Uh, well, they've all, like I said, they're pretty much all paid deposits, saying that yeah. you know, they're going to do IOU so. sort of thing. Yeah, well, <laughs> just one when really rescheduled, you know, but... The thing they're all having to get through their heads is is it like, no one really wants to book anything before October. Yeah. And then after October we get busy, so yeah. they're all going to have to be early next year, yeah.
0: Well, he was wondering what we can expect from you if you turn up to an event.
1: Oh, I bring as much of the band as I can. And look, I kind of said to the band, when we put all these parlor gigs in, it was to create a pot to go and do a new record. Um so I said to the band, like, I, just, I want your help, you know, this time around. I don't want to, the whole, you know, I, I'm kind of wired up to, like, being in a band, you know, to be playing with other people. And I just think that's where the real rewards lie, you know, yeah. when you make something with someone else and you feel like you, you've done something. So, yeah, it'll be me, Wally, Brooke, whoever, you know, like, um and also, you know that thing of being in a room with a bunch of people who appear to know your back catalogue, yelling at you. You really do need someone to deflect. Some yeah, <laughs> stuff, or it can, you know, get pretty uh, gnarly. <laughs> um, Jared
0: was wondering how do you how do you feel about the song Father's Day? He actually Good. wanted you to play it as well, but yeah, we don't have yeah, guitar here. <laughs> I play it all the
1: time. I play it all the time. Yeah. I'm, you know i wish i had 10 more you know yeah um but maybe it's like paul kelly's got 10 more you know but maybe it drives him nuts that he has to play those songs all the time you know i don't you know you you battle all your life to have hits you know and yeah. i've got a couple and so i'm i'm going to play them you know and and yeah i think it's an okay song you know it kind of does all the right things you know it, it, the emotion's good and um Yeah, I feel good about it. I feel really good about it. I'm really really happy to play it every time I play it. Yeah. And as uh, Barry Morgan once said to me, there's only one thing worse than having a song you have to play every time you play a gig. It's not having a song you have to play every time.
0: (laughs) True. (laughs) Very true. Uh, Now, we've kind of touched on this next question from uh, Steve Redshaw of the band Flagpole Villains. Um, Has the internet made music better for the listener or the musician? we kind of
1: touched on that
0: already in different
1: ways. Look, I think you've got to take what you get, and I think at the moment it's it's kind of I've gotten some value out of it in terms of this record I've just done. But, look, I think overall no, mm. um, and I think the reason why, and, and this is the great danger at the moment, you know, as we stand is that the internet's assumed even more of a... a what's the word, a focal, it's become even more of a focal point of the industry. Um, And that's been out of necessity, but, you know, I've felt really strongly the danger in the last five or six years looking at music is that there's so many musicians that just kind of, you know, they can create some sort of appearance of success online and it's not real success, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And... It's a real danger, you know, it's a real... real, And the figures, I hate them, you know, the likes and the whatever and all that stuff, you know, they don't mean that much, most of them, you know, Um, know, to the point where, you know, there's someone you pretty know I'm talking about who I know has had a viral hit, you know, and that person Mm -hmm. is not able to draw a crowd, you know, and you go, well, it's just fucking stupid, you know. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that much, the whole thing. Um, but as a tool, yeah, it's great. And, yeah. it, it, it's, and it's been, as, as a tool in the this last little period, it's just been magnificent. It's been just something that i just shudder to think what would have yeah. happened without it. Yep. But maybe I would have written a fucking book, you know. Mm. I, I don't know. Um, and I just think the danger w- with life becoming more and more focused to be online is that it could just assume more and more of a, a position where it becomes the kind of criteria for success that's not real, you know that's, that doesn't I think that's mean already anything. there yeah I, yeah you know, I can but it could just be so increased during yeah. this that that you know people's your uh, perceived success is so much greater than than what it is, you know, and it's, it's kind of weird like i I felt sort of damned with fake praise a couple of times in the middle of this whole. Crisis when I did like the delivered live, and also I did one for, uh, stream for the riverboats. And I said, My God, you had so many people. Mm. He said, well, you had more people than, than anyone has had, you know, that paid and come on the screen. And I said, what the fuck, you know? I said, I'm <laughs> fucking out there playing my guts out yeah. fucking for the last 20, 30 years. You Do you it. think I haven't got any fucking one who wants to, mm. you yeah, think I could have done that if people weren't fucking interested, you know? Yeah. But they kind of talk like, wow, that's amazing. And I go, well, no, it's, you're the fucking one who's backwards because you're sitting on the fucking internet <laughs> yeah. and not seeing the fact that Mick's still out there playing to the crowds, you know? So yeah. fuck. Um so, yeah, look, I, I just think it, it's, it's just problematic and that's the only word I can use, you know, and you can't not use it. You can't ignore it. It's there. It's, it's going to be there. But, oh, I just just think the danger and it, it's just, the danger's been increased, you know, by tenfold, you know. It's just people who think and they've got careers when they haven't and people who just think that, you know, publicising. And we, and we all do it. None mm. of us go. Oh, didn't have much of a gig last night. Mm. No one came. Yeah, we all go. Oh, what a great gig! I've got the best band in the world. Yeah, <laughs> I love my band.
0: I mean, the, inter- the internet and the presence that you've got on there is perceived more as a real world thing yeah. now, or something. Which yeah. it probably is. Yeah, it's become. I like more it or
1: hate of, it. Yeah, it's become more more of the real world, like the unreality. Yeah, they. Um, the virtual has become more of the mm. actual, you
0: know. Yeah. Um, I'm going to show you this photo. Yeah. You can't see it on the audio, unfortunately, oh, folks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does that look familiar? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know where that is, is now? Is it Crosstown? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Crosstown yeah. Studios in Preston. Because yeah. um, I'm going to start recording there yeah. again soon. So I was there the other night and I took that photo because Josh said...
1: Uh, yeah. yeah, I um, built that box with Craig Pilkington. The boxes that, that it's in, yeah. Because <laughs> it, it was in this big rack, and it was like it's so heavy, like in the rack, it's like it's, it's like it's 90 kilos, you know. Yeah, right. In the, the machine. I bought it from New South Wales, and it came out on the back of a truck, like wrapped in, in bubble wrap. So, what is
0: it? It's a Tascam Tascam uh, tape machine. Yeah, it's a
1: one-inch tape machine. Yeah, it's wow. great. They're great machines. They're yeah, they sound great. They sound. We did. I did two albums on that, and. Someone else did it uh, Van Walker did his first album on that Chris Altman did two albums on that yeah. That machine Yeah Yeah, they're great machines
0: Well, he's got that set up in his um, control room there oh, yeah And I said I was catching up with yeah, you Yeah And he's like, yeah. oh Tell him I've got his tape machine Yeah <laughs> That's great <laughs> So I thought I'd show you Oh, Good to know it's still working yeah. yeah Um. All right, Mick Well, thank you for your time Yeah Really yeah. appreciate it yeah. Great to, uh, to catch up with you again Yeah Um, So we've got your, let's do it again, we've got your album released on June the 19th.
1: Digitally June the 19th, I think the physical will be in the shops by the 26th uh, and the live stream record launch is on Sunday the
0: 21st. Yep, so get get your tickets from memomusichall.com.au, showtime 8.30. And um, Digital think... doors at 8 yeah. <laughs> Put your slippers on and yeah. be ready by 8.30 Get rocking No, nah, yeah.
1: no slippers we won't, we won't <laughs> in
0: Get on the beers <laughs> Yeah, absolutely Well, thank you Mick I really appreciate your time And yeah. um, it's great to chat to, to someone like yourself who, you. Who's been in the industry for so long And done yeah. so many great things So, mickthomas.com That's where you can
1: it's where, it's where the, uh, the magic happens. It's
0: right? where the action is. Yeah. And uh, thanks everyone for tuning in for a special episode of Fox on the Wire. So I hope you enjoyed it. Cool. And, uh, thanks again for your time, Mick. Cheers. Okay, cheers. Enjoy. Thanks everyone.